The best life possible about following the one who made life in the first place. So we, we kind of coming from this, this position that we believe God has good plans for our life, but, but there, there is a God. And uh, we believe as, as Christ followers that Jesus is his son and that he sent him to earth to kind of show us a way and help us out through this life. And so um, for us, we have to come at it from this angle of saying, um, if we're going to live the best life possible, we're not talking about the American dream. We're not talking about up our upbringing. Those are not bad. Some of us have really great upbringings. But we have a worldview that is inside of our head, inside of our life, that we filter everything through. And so the best life possible is better than even your best life that you could ever imagine. Now, we're kind of talking about that. What does this mean? And if we're going to experience this, we should learn from the one who gives life in the first place. And so we kind of talk about how um, if, if we only get one chance, why not make it the best that we, could po- we can live here on earth? You know, it's a short time. I used to think, I used to think it was a long time here on earth. But the, as I mature and I grow and have kids, I realize that it's short and it goes really, really fast. And so why don't we choose to do the best that we can? So the first week we talked about hearing. Uh, I'm sorry, seeing. We said that if, if we're going to live the best life possible according to Jesus, um, then we need to be able to see like he sees. I think the scriptures, next one, go the next one for me. John 10.10, 10, in the message it says it like this. I have come, they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So Jesus makes this claim in the statement saying, hey, I've come to give you a really good life. In fact, the best life possible. We have to ask the question. So if Jesus is telling the truth, then, man, we should listen to him, um, which I believe he is. I believe he's a, he's a good God and he's, he's a, um, a prophet that, that said, hey, these things are going to take place. These are going to happen. Kind of gave us a lot of insight into how things are going to unfold in his life and even in the disciples' lives. And he says, join me in this journey. I, I have a lot of insight for you. And we said, if we're going to be able to live this life that Jesus is talking about, we have to be able to see the way Jesus sees, the way God sees. And that's, that's a shift in the way that we look at things. And the good, good news is God will help us if we're willing to say, all right, I'm open to this. We talked about spiritual blindness, that, that Jesus even talked to religious people and said, hey, you guys are blind. You claim to see, but you're really blind. Let me open your eyes. And then we said the second week about hearing is about relationship. And we said if we're going to live the best life possible, we have to hear what God is saying which means we have to be in proximity, which means we'd be in relationship so we can follow what he's saying. And then the third week was do, which means that we understand what, he, what he's showing us and we, we're hearing it and then we're acting upon that and following it out. And then last week, part four, we said this. So why is it so important to see the way God sees, to hear what he's saying, and then to do what he's asking us to do? And we said this. The why behind that is because he wants us to have the best life possible. And the reason we do those three things is because he's trying to create in us something new. Uh, the Bible uses language like, like a new creation, like a new birth. It's like when you make this decision to follow Christ, all of a sudden you have this new life. And so in this new life, you now can begin to see things and experience things differently. My little do- daughter Nova, she has, no, she has no idea what the world's about. I have the opportunity to be able to say, Nova, this is what it's about. This is what TV is going to tell you what it's about. But they're kind of just putting you know, part of the truth out there. It's not the whole truth. And I'm able to help introduce my little daughter into what, what, what the world really is about. And then our worldview is saying, if we're going to follow Christ, this is how we need to act. This is how we need to, to think. This is how we need to talk. And we begin to, to develop her and grow her. So the reason we, we see, hear, and do is because we are becoming something in someone. See, in, in five years, you're going to look back, and you're going to be different from the person you are today. You're either going to be maybe a little more loving or maybe a little more full of, of, of hurt or anger or whatever. And, and there's, God is wanting to help us with those things. 
He wants us to overcome our past so we can have a better future. And so today we're going to continue on. We talked about last week about surrender. So if we're going to become the person God wants us to become, we have to learn to start surrendering. And that's really hard for people. You know, it, it, takes, some, it takes work. We talked about palms down, palms up, releasing, and then asking God to help us with this. Well, today we're going to take the next, start, the next step of being and becoming. And this is a really hard word for many of us, especially when it comes to, um, to God. All right? And, and um, before I give you the word, I'm actually going to let Robert share part of his story. Um, the reason we're going to kind of share today, we're going to kind of go back and forth and kind of just talk a little bit. Um, but as we were kind of building this series of talking about it, I, I've known a little about his, his past and his story, how, how God has led him. And I thought it would be so beneficial for all of us just to kind of get a peek into this and say, all right, so this is how you were. This is the things you went through. Um, what does this mean? And so the word we're talking about becoming, so last week of surrender this week, um, it, it, it's challenging. And so we want to just prepare you for that. Not always easy, but it's, it's important, and it's, it's, um, it's what God is asking of us. So, Robert, why don't you um, – well, first of all, good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're up here, man. Me too. Uh, this is going to be fun. It's nicer when there's two. You know, it's a little more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to kind of have a little dialogue. We want you guys to join in, but just, um, uh, yeah, listen in good and, and get involved. So, Robert, why don't you share um, – yeah, just share from the beginning and, okay. and let them know kind of okay. your journey. And All right. So when we were doing this series, uh, one of the things I struggled with um, was when we got to the word surrender. And uh, it's mostly I, – I come from a long line of strong-willed people. Um, I mean, really, it's on both sides. Um, we're German. My mom's from Missouri. Um, we're, we're a group of very stubborn and uh, determined people. I'll say it that way. That sounds better, right? Um, so what happened for me when, when Eric is saying, you know, you surrender to God. And I remember um, back about, uh, if you would have said that to me probably 15, 20 years ago, I would have said No. I'm not doing that. And the reason is this, is, is that when I, was, when I was 18, you know, you're, you're in high school, you're starting to look forward to what you're doing, and, and um, my father was a youth evangelist, and so I was going to work with him, and I, I built this whole plan. He, didn't, he had no idea. I built this whole plan in my head of how I was going to work with him. I'd meet all of his content. I was going to be big. I mean, my dad was big in the youth evangelist realm. He was a ventriloquist. I was going to be bigger. I mean, I, I, when you're 18, that's kind of how you think. And, uh, and so I built this whole thing in my mind. Um, and, and November 29th. Okay, so we're coming up right now of the day that he died. When I was 18, I, I started Bible school. I was at, at Vanguard University. Uh, you know, I had the pastoral type major for my dad and the psychology major for my mom. I was double major running down the road of doing everything right. And uh, this shocking event hit and I, I didn't know what to do with that, Eric. It was it was awful, you know, and the problem when something tragic like that happens is pretty much everybody in your family's a mess. You know, I, I couldn't go to my mom. My mom was looking at me. And I, I really, when I was joking two weeks ago about feeling like I'm the only sane person in my family, uh, I was. You know, my older sister was doing heroin at that time. My younger sister closest to me was drugs and, you know, a mess. The other one, she was doing stuff, uh, all that. I was the sane one. 
So my mom's looking to me, and I don't know where to go. And what I had said, Eric, I, I told my mom this two days before he died. She said, you need to go see your dad in the hospital. I said, I'm going to go tomorrow. I mean, you know, I, I, it's on the way to college. I have to register. I'm going to go tomorrow. She was so upset, and I, I didn't understand why. And what I told her was, you know, God's not going to take him. We have too much other stuff going on here for the Lord to take him, you know. He took him. And so when we were talking about the series, and he's over here saying, okay, so, you know, fourth is surrender. I'm like, no, no, because you're asking me to trust somebody who hurt me deeply. Because what I did was I went, I went to, to God and said, don't talk to me ever again. You know, I'll keep my fire insurance, but you're not in my life anymore. Okay? You know, unless it gets bad, I'm not talking to you. And I really shut God out. Of th- and it wasn't like I branded drugs. I ran. I didn't do a lot of that stuff. They say, I, in. yeah. So he's talking perspective of when he was 18. We're talking about right. this series because our heart for the Grove is to really help people that don't know anything about God. Maybe don't have a relationship. We want to be able to kind of include and pull in and say, hey, this is where we were at when you were at your stage in life. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to assume that everybody here is at the exact same stage of life. You're not uh, surrendering the way I'm surrendering, and that's okay. It's a process. And so when he says we had a really hard time with this, we're, we're filtering through saying, all right, so at the Grove, our heart is to help people that don't go to church maybe come and learn something and experience it. And so we're talking through a series. He's saying, yeah, that, if, if you say that, people that don't know anything about God are going to say, that doesn't sound good. That's going to be really difficult. And it is. Um, and so that's kind of the perspective he's coming from is saying, right. no, this is, this is what I hear when you say that, especially as an 18-year-old. So, sorry, right. keep going. No, it's okay. I should have clarified that. Because really that's what we were thinking, is trying to understand. And my point was, was we need to consider this aspect because this is where I was. And, and surrender is, is tough because surrender is about trust, right? There's the word, trust. There's hard, the word. word. Yeah. So when we're talking about living the best life possible, when we're talking about being a disciple and do, see, hear, and do, um, for me at that age, um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I would have probably punched Eric if he told me I needed to trust God if he t- told me that at that time. Um, so it was, a, it was a real challenge. And, and, and bringing that forward to what we're doing today, um, this is born out of that because what I learned and where where I got to um, to a place of being able to trust again, I think is is super super important to share to help others to help you if you're in that spot. So he was mad at God. He didn't want anything to do with God. Everything his parents had taught him. He says, "You know what? I just don't, I don't want this." And um, at this place where he was having a hard time trusting, and so the young young person. Um, so as we were talking through this, I said, "What changed? What was?" What brought you out of that? Because obviously, I mean, you're a pastor now. You're trusting God. So what were the, what were the big life, um, the parts that kind of led up to that? Right. Okay. So, so what happened next? And the, the, you may be in this spot. You know, you may be a Christian and you're in this spot where, you know, when I was talking about being a disciple, you're uncomfortable. Right? You're, you're like, ah, you know, I've had some stuff in my life. Some of us have had big stuff. You know, we were molested as a kid. Uh, we've had family, you know, mothers, parents die, brother die. I mean, you're in that place of saying, uh, 
I, I don't even know how to trust God. I mean, what am I supposed to trust him for? None of this makes any sense to me. And I want you to know that that's exactly where I was. And I was in that place, Eric, of just saying, you know, you, you stay over there. Don't talk to me. I don't trust you, and I don't want you in my life. And so um, lots of, the, the concept is like a bucket. We all have a bucket, and we fill our bucket with something, you know, and we should fill our bucket with God, and that fills us. For me, I was just going to run empty. I was going to do drugs. I watched my sister with heroin and all that. I, I don't want that life, you know. So um, I just ran empty. And, and what happened, Eric, was um, my, my, one of my sisters, her son, uh, beat her up and went to a, a facility and all that. And he was coming out of that facility. Um, and they, they didn't want him go, to go straight to her house. So being the sane one, you know, I said, come. He can, he can come here. These are the rules. We're trying, we prayed about it, you know, and all this stuff. And so he came to live with us. And I remember I, our little house, I came around the corner. There was my five-year-old son, right? Red hair, super cute. And right across the table was my, I think he was 15, 16-year-old nephew, ratty, you know, just um, you could just hurting the whole thing. But I saw the contrast and it was like, I want to say it was the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, Eric. But I don't know if it was just impending doom or this feeling came over me. And, and I just felt that if if I don't invite God in my life, if I don't bring him back in, that my, this, my son, is going to be that. Because I'm on this road without God. And I, I'm smart enough to know, you know, I was just mad because this, this event happened. And so through a few events after that, I, I ran into this lady. She was kind of crazy. Uh, but she said, you know what, you need, a, you need to go to Al-Anon. Um, so for, if you don't know, Al-Anon is a, it's a 12-step program that follows the same 12 steps as, as AA. Um, but it's for the family members because really the thing is this. When you have alcohol in your home and alcoholism and that type of thing, there, it changes the dynamic of your family completely. Um, it, and I could explain that if we had time or if you want to, I'll be happy to share how that works. Both of my parents were, were children of alcoholics. And we had a lot of crazy in our house. I mean, the Christmas tree wasn't on fire at Christmas, but it, it could have been a couple of Christmases. We had it was just crazy, you know. So I started this program, Eric, and um, I didn't want to go. When I went, I was like, I'm not like these people. These people are so beneath me. You know, I, they're all, you know, they need this. I don't need this. I'm going because this lady wouldn't let me not go. You know, she had me by the arm. I'm like, she was like this. We're going to this thing right now, you know. So I went. I made her happy. And uh, the first step, Eric, was is to to um, acknowledge you're powerless over alcohol and that your life had become unmanageable. You know, and that's really where I was. You know, and it wasn't necessarily alcohol for me, but things were headed in a bad in a bad way because really that's what I saw I saw like two cars heading down the road and neither of them are slowing down for the stop sign and I could see that it was going to go bad so let me ask you this were you going to church this whole time from 18 and as you're married and have kids 
Okay. I was, dude. So he was he was doing the things that you would think like he, his parents taught him how to do, but but he was holding back trust from God during that whole time. Even he said they prayed about having their nephew come. Isn't yeah. it convenient that we invite God into our lives when we really need him for something? Yeah. And the rest of the time we're like, no, no, I, I can't trust you for that. That's typical of all of us. That's not just a Robert thing. That That is many times all of us. And this is why surrender is so important. This is why trust, because if you miss this, you can, um, I think, because he said he wasn't addicted to drugs, but I know what all of us are addicted to something. And the thing that we're all addicted to the most is, is probably one of the hardest things to overcome, and it's called self. We are all addicted to ourself and to our desires. And, and part of it is just how, how we're wired. We want, we want self-preservation and all this stuff. And when we're hurting, that's even worse because then we really are the center of everything. Um, and so when, when God is inviting us to say, if you will let me let you see what you're not seeing. See, Robert might say, I don't know if it was God, but th- those are things that God will use. He'll bring a nephew and say, all right, I'm going to show you something. Pay attention, Robert. This is where your son is going to go if you are going to not teach him how to trust. Because that, that's where we, we are on our track. We find our own track. Easiest way to go. We think it finds fulfillment. And then we look back and say, how did I get here? That's how God lets us see things. When we were talking about this, some of the things Robert said, and we didn't, we didn't plan it, he said, you know, I just didn't see what God was wanting me to see in this time. So from 18 until what, what, was it, what age were you when you went to Elanon? Uh, I think 25. Okay, so 20, we had a few no, years. No, longer. Yeah, 27. 27? Yeah. So RJ was already, you did three or four yeah. or five? Okay. Yeah. So um, there, there was, it was a, a period of time where he really wasn't trusting God and saying, I'm not. And then he went to this to, to have this experience, yeah. an encounter um, of saying, you know what, I, I, I need this. So walk us through that. What, what were the... Right. So the key thing was first I had to, had to recognize that I, I do, in fact, have a problem. As much as I want to convince myself that everything is fine, I can do, because see what happened is I made a vow and it wasn't an outspoken vow. Some of you have made this vow in your heart. You, you don't even realize you made it, but this was the vow. I said to, I said to myself, I will never be powerless in a situation like this ever again. Any situation, I will not be powerless. You know, this thing happening completely out of my control, that will never happen to me again. I will, I will control Every situation I'm in. So now I'm looking at the paper, the ladies next to me going, you know, right there, that one right there. I admitted I was powerless, powerless. And I had to accept the fact that even though I'm delusional in my head to think I can can control all this stuff, I can't. And actually, my life is unmanageable and I can't manage it. And then the second step is came to believe in a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So you can imagine when I read that, I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I was going to church when you said this. Yeah, I did. I was going to church. But like I said, I was just running empty. Yeah. I was running empty. So I had a really hard time working through that. So what I, what I did was I said, I'm not going to treat this like it's Jesus. I'm going to go with the as God as you understood him. And I'm just going to, I'll crack the door that, that some, but I'm, I am not going to say the words because I'm still mad. Not going to say the words that this power that's greater than myself is God. You know, even, I mean, it's dumb, but that's, that's the dumb that happens in your head. So 
so I got through that. I worked through that. I even came to a place working with a sponsor where I could say, okay, yeah, I'll, Jesus can restore me to sanity if he, if he asks for forgiveness for me for what he did to me. I mean, really, I was crazy, really. The next step, and this is where it comes to that surrender step and the trust, is that I turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And I, I mean, I'm reading that going, I can't do this, Eric. I can't. I can't do this. And the, the, the turning point is this pressure. The cars are getting close. You know, the, I'm watching this stuff. We're, we're, my nephew lasted like 15 days in our house. And then he was at a facility um, out near Velarde. And uh, we, we would go every weekend to see him. I was looking at him, look at my son, look at him, look at my son. I'm like, this is bad. You know, I have to do something. And so what happened there, this is the key, really. What happened is that the fourth step is this: you do a fearless um, moral, uh, a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. And really, Eric, that's that's where I had to look at my part. When we did it, we, when we did starting over, we talked about own it. That was that's the own it step. And so I had to look at my slice of the pie. And so of course I started with easy things, you know, because really you have to when you're doing something this deep. So I, you know, I'm looking at Lori. I'm looking at my sisters. I'm looking everywhere. And my sponsor's like, so God's next. You can do God now, like. I'm doing God at all. What do you mean? He's like, <laughs> no, this is a searching and fearless moral inventory. So you're going to do God next. I'm like, I hate you. You're such a jerk. <laughs> you know? So I did it. And, and Eric, this is what I realized. I realized that I have a lot of expectations. I have a lot of expectations of what God is is supposed to do for me. And it's not my fault. I mean, I've sat with pastors, he'll tell you, you know, he'll pray, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, my desire was that my dad would live. So, you know, what's that? You know, and, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He forsake me on this. Was my, that's my perspective because of my interpretation of those things in my expectations. So I'm throwing all of these expectations on God that are wrong. And, you know, I hated that and it killed me and I, I wept and, you know, he made me do this other thing where I, I, I went through all these characteristics line by line, each characteristics, a column for my dad and a column for God. And I got about, I'm not kidding, maybe a third of the way through writing what the difference, which was which. And this time for sure, Holy Spirit spoke to me and the Lord said to me, you treat me like I'm your, like I'm like your dad. I'm not, that's not me. You know, and I wept, man, I wept. And uh, I realized how wrong I had been. And really, and, and Al-Anon, AA, all those 12-step programs, one of the big things they talk about, Eric, is expectations. They have never saying low expectations, high serenity. High expectations, low serenity. You know, because your expectations, they drive you, 
If you're in that control mode, I'm not powerless. I am, I am powerful. And this is not going like I'm expecting. I'm going to force a solution. You know? I think, I think that goes for all of us. Um, when it comes to expectations, this is why marriage can be really difficult. We have two different people having different expectations, and if you don't communicate those expectations correctly, you're frustrated. You're a parent, and your kids have expectations. You know, he mentioned that um, how he viewed God was like his dad. Sometimes we view God like he's our maid, like he's supposed to do everything that we think he's supposed to do, like we're smarter than him and that we know more than him and that because he's not meeting every single need, then he's not a good God. Or he has this big world view of saying, man, I... Part of it, and here's the other thing. We can't explain every little bad thing has happened, but I, I know it boils down to one thing. It's called sin, okay? Sin entered the world through, through, through a man or woman who made a choice to say, it's, it's about me. It was a selfish decision, and sin separates, and sin brings death. And so part of the repercussions of sin is just what we have going on around us all the time, and sin produces things. How we handle our environment, that, that produces negative things. And then we get mad at God for people that get sick or people that die or people that whatever. And a lot of times it's not, it has nothing to do with God but just the fact that sin was, has, has, has a place and is, and is having uh, this, this horrible role in, in, in moving forward of causing these things. And God is saying the whole time, I believe he's saying, would you just trust me? Man, let, me let me help you see. See, if Robert would have just at 18 or 19, I mean, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Here's the thing. Um, this, this process of becoming, because Robert said, no, that's hard. I, what you're saying, I know what you're saying because it's a biblical answer. But for, for a human being, that's really hard to say, I can't just let God just kind of make me into something that I want to become. But it's not just like an overnight thing that all of a sudden you're this perfect person. It, it's a step at a time. It, it's you saying, all right, God, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own up to this part of it. I'm going to work harder on this part. It's step by step that we are becoming more and more the person that God wants us to become. What you miss if you don't do this is you get down, for Robert's case, eight years you look back and say, why did I drag all that pain with me for this whole time? What would have, what would have happened if I would have said, God, I don't understand this, but in the middle of this, would you, would you help me to see this? I bet you, I can guarantee, I don't know, this, I, we didn't talk about this, but I bet there was probably men in his life or family members' life who were, who were, who were Christians or who were, who were wise people that probably even reached out to him and said, hey, can we help you? And he was so mad at God that he probably pushed those people away. Who around you is God saying, hey, I'm sending people to help you. Would you listen? I want, I want to give you wisdom. So trusting, what's the next one? You said what was another, the fourth step? The fourth step is that fearless moral inventory where I had to look at, at what I was doing. And that the fifth step um, is, is where you admit to God. This is important, okay? You admit to God. You admit to yourself. I just, I lied to myself a, a lot. I, I was lying to myself about how things were about how powerful I, I was, how in control of things I was, um, how it, it's all good, you know. Okay, man, I made it through that one. I'm a, I, I'm, here's the next one. I mean, I lied and lied and lied to myself. So step five is admitted to, to God, to myself, and to another person. So I met my sponsor. We sat in this restaurant while I basically told him how, all my mistakes all all the results of this moral inventory and and what the exact nature of of my wrongs is what this step says 
you know, and that was tough. And there's a lot of more steps. And uh, when we're talking about this, Robert is saying, here's the people that created these, these, these 12 steps, right? 12, right? Yeah. And um, peop- the reason they work for a lot of people and for, for people if they follow them is because the principles are all scripture. I mean, this confessing your stuff to, to, to somebody else, to, to admit it to yourself, that is scriptural. God, God says when you confess your sins to one another, you find healing. When you confess your sin to God, you find forgiveness, but you find healing when you begin to let other people in. And so all these steps that he's going through are actually very biblical. The, the, the principles are found in, in, in God's word that kind of helps us, says, hey, if you will be open to what God has, you're going to mm-hmm. find a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, expectations, we talk about teenagers. Right now, my, my daughter, she's, you know, a newborn, but I have other kids, and we're trying to help them mature, right? This is, this is the idea of church. It's, it's really a place where people come in, and at first they kind of don't know what's going on, so they kind of can just sit and they can take in. My, my, the Nova right now, she, she's totally dependent on, on us to feed her and to, to clean her everything. But there's a stage where she has to start maturing, like my other kids, and they have to start feeding themselves, right? They have to start cleaning up after themselves, and they mature. Well, our, our relationship with God is the exact same way. Um, here's the challenge. When you get to that teenage years, that's when it gets really difficult. In the beginning, it's fun. You know, you're kind of trusting. You're kind of taking these steps. It's kind of easy. He's not asking us to do a lot of hard things at sometimes. And it's just taking these steps. And then you get to this place where, and, and in Robert's case, he was 18. So this happened at a really crucial time in his life that was even more compounded to make it difficult because he was a teenager. And um, when people get addicted to, to different kinds of, of substances, alcohol, whatever, they can actually get stuck at that development emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have 15, 60-year-olds who think like 14-year-olds. Or like 16-year-olds because they stopped developing and maturing because they got addicted to something. Self is almost the exact same way. The stronger that we are addicted to ourself, the less likely we will mature and become people that will actually contribute to the earth and to the world. And so when we're talking about becoming, letting God help us to become, it's really because God is saying you're going to find more purpose and more meaning in life if you'll take those steps. Robert began to find freedom because he was able to admit these things that he was putting on God, that he was putting on himself. And obviously it's been a process where, and, and I can tell you this, for Robert, for myself, it's not like just all of a sudden you totally trust God yeah. with everything. There's those moments mm-hmm. where you're like, man, this is really difficult mm-hmm. and really hard. Mm-hmm. But throughout the scriptures, and I'm going to read this. If you put that up for me, um, in Proverbs 3, uh, um, we'll get to 5. I think 5 is up there, but it says this. This is the wisdom book. So it's a, it's a man who's writing to his kids, but also to other people. And he says, he says it throughout, throughout the, the book over and over. My son, do not forget my teachings. My son, listen. Hey, listen up. I want to show you something. You pay attention. He says, um, this is verse 1 of chapter 3. Don't forget my teachings, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. So if you're a wise person, your life's going to be prolonged. You're going to find prosperity. And this is not just money. This is, this is life, prosperity in life. It's, it's finding meaning in life and finding more. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. He's saying be consistent. Be faithful to what I'm trying to teach you in. This is God's call for us is to learn. And then he says verse 5, and this is what's really hard sometimes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in God. He's saying, would you trust in God? So the wise man is saying, all right, if you're going to get this, and you're going to have a life that's prosperous and long and fulfilling, you have to trust God. Even when bad things happen, begin to say, God, I don't want to become 
so inward focused and so hurt with this that I push everybody out and everybody away because it's not worth it. Most of the time, the hurts that we take and drag with us into the future, man, if we would have just been aware of, of the hurt in the first place, we could have worked through it and healed and not taken it with us into the future. That's what starting, series, starting over series is all about, saying why would we take the, the most painful parts of our lives and let it dictate the kind of people that we are in the future? Mm-hmm. Where we have the choice to say, all right, let's, let's, let's face this right now. Let's deal with this, no matter how hard it is, so that we can become somebody better. What does he say, the, the blame, that quote? You can blame your way into the future, but you can't blame your way into a better future. Yeah, we can blame our way all we want in the future, but it's not going to be a better future until we begin to own up and say, all right, here's my part of it. And then we begin to trust and surrender. You know, it's, it's, it's that roller coaster ride. Um, one of the videos I thought about showing was the tango, um, but I just couldn't find one that wasn't like super provocative, man. It was hard. <laughs> here's, here's why. A lot of people know the waltz. The waltz is very standard. It's, it's this pattern that you can learn and it's pretty easy to follow. We all want the waltz in life because it's, mm-hmm. it's predictable. We know what's going to go. We know what we can do. The tango, however, is not. In fact, um, the, the, the woman has a harder job because she has to trust the guy to lead her around in this crazy dance. Okay? There, there's it's technical. It's all this stuff. I, I read this, this, um, this one um, article of this woman who's a tango dancer, and, and uh, she said she had a hard time doing the dance until she put a blindfold on. And then she said, I just totally just trusted the person that was leading me, and it was a beautiful dance that we did. Trust is kind of like that. We have to begin to say, all right, I'm, I really don't want to go that way, God, but I believe that you're going to lead me in this wonderful life. It's going to be a beautiful dance. It's not going to be the waltz. We want the waltz because it's predictable, it's easy, and God say, no, the tango, so much more fun, so much more passionate. You're going to enjoy it so much more. I, I don't dance it. I wish I did because then I could really say that's true. So, <laughs> but he's leading us in this, in this life and saying, would you do this? Um, let me tell you a personal story. I have my son. This happens a couple of times. My, my one desire for my son is to capture his heart. Okay. And this is why it's so important, because if I capture my son's heart, when I ask him to do something hard, he's not going to think in his mind, my dad only wants something for himself. He's going to think and say, you know what? Over time, my dad has asked me to do things and, and, and I, I've trusted him and it's led me to good things. So last year we were skiing, and I told Joaquin, hey, do this, do this. And he was just being hard-headed, and he didn't want to do it. And so he fought me, fought me. And then finally, at the end, towards the end of the day, he did it. And he's like, man, at the, we got home. He's like, Dad, I wish I would have listened to you. We could have went on that ride like another ten times. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's okay next time, all right? Because he's learning to trust me. We went to summer camp, and we're on the zip line, and all his friends are going on the zip line. And he's, he, obviously it's scary. I know it's scary. I'm not trying to push him. But he's scared, and, he, and I said, Joaquin, Trust me, you're going you're gonna to have so much fun. I know that when you do this, you're brave and you're going to do it. He said, no, stop pushing me. You're being too hard on me. So I, I backed off. I didn't do it. Well, in time, after he saw his friends do it over a while, he finally got up there and he wrote it like three or four times, you know, the zip line. And after it was over, he came to me and says, Dad, I wish I would have listened to you. I could have wrote it another ten times. And I'm like, exactly, Joaquin. And, and I, I explained at that point, I says, Joaquin, I will not ask you to do anything that's going to hurt you. If I think it's going to hurt you, I will not ask you to do it. You have to trust me. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father who says, would you trust me? I have good plans for your life. He does. He sees what's coming in your future, and he says, would you trust me? Would you take that step? Sometimes it's a really difficult step, but he says, would you do it? You're going to find so much joy. Yeah, you have to let go. You have to jump off the platform. You have to trust the cable. You have to trust the harness. 
You have to trust the people that built it. But would you, would you do it? Would you take that, that step and jump off? Sometimes God is asking us, and this is what I've learned, that God, he, he is the same way with me that I am with my son Joaquin. He's saying, Eric, I have something for you. It's going to be challenging, maybe a little scary. Would you, would you let go of the knuckle holding, let the white knuckles go? Just release and trust, surrender. And what I find when I do it, I mean, I find so much more happiness in life. Is it easier? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's really difficult. And sometimes he leads us in places that we think, I can't handle this. It's too much. And he says, no, you can handle this. In fact, um, James says that he will not give us more than we can bear. He won't, he won't put more on us that we can't stand under. Now, as a good God, we have to trust him and follow his lead. It's letting, it's, it's letting our expectations begin to say, God, I'm gonna, you know, I've been taught this way. Media is telling us everything's saying this. I'm going to trust you for a different worldview. I'm going to open my life up. Any last maybe thoughts that you have as we talk about this best life and your journey and how we can learn something from it? Um, yeah, I mean. Ferrari. The, Do the, your Ferrari story. The Ferrari story. Yeah, that okay. would be awesome. I think that yeah. would be helpful. Okay. I, I do want to say first that we, just what you were talking about is what happened for me. So I, I opened up to the Lord. He and I had this conversation. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm, I'm broken. I'm going to try my best. Okay. Just don't give me too much too soon. And, and then it was, it was like that. Can you trust me in this? Yeah, I can trust you in that. Can you trust me in this? No. Can you trust me in this? Yeah, I can do that. You know, and, and really it was like that and it got bigger. But this, this is kind of the, the, the aspect of it is that when we talk about expectations, this is, this is what happened. We, God gave us this perfect earth, perfect place, and we wrecked it. And then we, we went, we've gone back to him and saying, why would you give me this wrecked place? And it would be like us. You know, the dealership, we walk in the dealership, they give us a brand new Ferrari for free. You're our millionth customer, whatever, right? We, we go driving around, we celebrate, whatever. We're whipping around some corner. We wrap that car around the telephone pole. And then we have it towed back to the dealership and say, why did you give me this wrecked car? Now, what were you thinking giving me a Ferrari? Didn't you know I would rip it, wrap it around the telephone pole? What were you thinking? Who do you think you are? Right? That, that's the thing. And that's how, that's how I was going back to God. That's how we go back to God. You know, I don't know if you want me to answer that question about, um, you know, if I could tell somebody. my. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you could tell your 18-year-old self mm-hmm. what to do, you know, as you start that, mm-hmm. that journey, that painful process mm-hmm. of saying, God, you did this, what would you tell yourself back then? I, this is what I would say. I, I would say this, is that don't blame God for this. You don't know the impact of this for the rest of your life. And I know it hurts, and I know it's bad. This happens to everybody, everyone. You're unique, but your situation is not unique. And right now, the only person... The only person who can help you is God. And if you do, do what I did and turn your back on the only person who could help you, your life is going to be more of a mess. You need to turn around and press in. You need to trust the Lord. 
You need because today, this is the thing. Today, when I look back, that event was a very important event that when my father died. A ton of good things have happened out of that event. And, and honestly, it was a good thing that he died at that time. I just couldn't see it. And if I could communicate that, that to myself, because you, you can't connect the dots going forward. You, you can only, as, as you walk your future, you can only connect the dots going back. Trust in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, leaning your understanding. He'll direct your paths, the scripture says. It continues on saying he's going to lead us and he's going to direct us and guide us. So here's the thing that we do. Um, we, we don't want to give you ten things to do. We want to give you one thing. It's that one step. And for many of us in this room, it might be a different step. But there's a step that God is asking us to do. And all he's saying is, would you take that next step? Mm-hmm. Would you trust? Would you take a step? See, right. scripture says this. He says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He's not saying become something in 10 years. Okay, that's, I mean, it's good to think down the road. What he's saying is today, I'm speaking, I'm trying to help you find something today. Don't harden your heart, just do something today. And then tomorrow is another day, and he's going to say, all right, would you take this step? And it's going to be that journey of saying, Joaquin, just trust me. And you're like, I don't know if I can trust you. I'm kind of scared. You're pushing me too hard. Just trust me. Yeah. And it's taking a step at a time and getting people around you. Um, the Grove, we keep the services short because we want to be able to say, what's that one thing that we can walk away with us and do? All right, so um, if you're here today, uh, we know we said a lot, we spoke, and maybe some of your emotions are stirring, and some of you are thinking, you don't know my story, you can't even relate. We, we might not be able to, but I know that I've met people that have been through your situation, and probably worse, who are doing really well because they went through the process Robert went through, the process I went through of saying, God, help me, I need your help. Following Christ, it starts with us acknowledging that we need help. Mm-hmm. It's us letting go and saying, I trust a power that's greater than me. That's hard. What's helped me is understanding that if he's the power greater than me, that whatever happens, he has enough control to take care of it, and I'll trust him through that all. Do me a favor. If you're here, would you close your eyes? We're going to close service. We're going to end. Um, if the team could come on up and get ready to um, do a song. Uh, we're going we're gonna to close... Um, and I want to give an opportunity, if you're here today, maybe we've talked about some things and, and your, your emotions are stirring, things are going on. Um, maybe you're, you're, you're not seen correctly. Um, we give an opportunity for people to say, I, I want to trust God, I want to follow him. Many of you have already said this prayer. It's, it's where you say, I want a new start. I, I know that you died on this cross for me so I can have a new life. If you're here today and maybe you're far from God, maybe you've let sin or hurt or anger keep you from God, and today you want to say, I, I want to I pray. I need help. I want to release. I want to step forward. I want to move in the direction God wants me to. If that's you, would you do me a favor and raise your hand? I won't call you down. I just want to know there's people out here that I'm leading in the prayer saying, I want help. I want to follow. And then as you pray this prayer, awesome. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. As you pray this prayer, know that this is it's just a step. You're acknowledging it. And then tomorrow it's another step of saying, all right, don't do that. Don't go that way. Go this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and the prayer just says this, God, forgive me for taking that Ferrari and wrapping it around a tree and blaming you for this. That's the prayer. I'm not going to say Ferrari, but that's the idea. And then we're going to say, God, I invite you. Come and help me make sense of this life. Come and fix it. Come and help me fix things and help me to follow you. 
So if you raise your hand, would you just repeat this prayer? The rest of us, would you join in and encourage them with this prayer? Say, Father, thank you that you are a good father and you have good plans for my life. Forgive me for messing up and taking this life and creating something that you never intended it for it to be. Would you forgive me? I know that you died on that cross so that I can have life. I invite you to come and give me new life. Come and create in me a new heart and a new life. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. If you pray that prayer, man, that is one of the best, best things you can do. Um, would, you, would you give them a hand today? All those people that prayed that. That was a big step. That is so awesome. There's a lot of you. If you take time to fill out that card, let us know. Hey, I prayed that prayer. Man, I would love to send you a, a letter saying, hey, these are some of the next steps. If you have questions, we're here. If you need prayer, we're here to, to, to stay and say we want to, we want to help you and, and, and on this journey. If I could just encourage you one thing. If, if you identify with the resentment, that you have resentments against the Lord, even this prayer was a challenge for you, I, I want to encourage you, take some time and review. Look at your part. In the Ferrari story, Eric had the Ferrari. He wasn't obeying the speed limit. He, you know, whatever else he was doing. You have a part. There's a piece of the pie that you need to own. And when you do that, it will free you. It will free you to open your relationship with the Lord. I just want to encourage you to do that. Yeah, that's good.